Please join us every week for a new episode of Understanding the Human Condition with Dr. James Flowers. Dr. Flowers and his most admired mentors, respected colleagues, and VIP guests will share valuable insight into underlying health causes, conditions, and issues. These in-depth yet approachable episodes are a great resource for both private individuals and industry professionals. Our esteemed host, Dr. James Flowers, is one of the most recognized and respected names in the field of chronic pain, mental health, and substance use disorders, both nationally and internationally. Dr. Flowers is the founder of J. Flowers Health Institute, located in Houston, Texas. For more information about J. Flowers Health Institute and its concierge services, go to jflowershealth.com or dial 713-783-6655. And be sure to mention this podcast. Welcome to Understanding the Human Condition with your host, Dr. James Flowers. Hey, Robin. Hey, you. How are you? I am so excited uh, that we're talking about this today. It's something that that we've added to our practice and Mm -hmm. something I think everyone in the country needs to know about. And I'm just really happy about our guest today. Thanks for being on the show. This is Karen Odell Barber, and she's with Neurologics. Hey, Karen. Thank you guys for having me. So I thought I'd read a brief bio for those who who don't know you or haven't heard of you. And then... Um, thank you. Karen Odell Barber has over 25 years of experience as an adolescent and young adult therapist. She's an Arizona Regent Scholar and studied at the London School of Economics after she completed her undergraduate degree. She completed her master's degree in counseling at San Francisco State University with postgraduate training in addiction treatment from UC Berkeley. Karen was COO of Belmont Hills Hospital an 80-bed neuropsychiatric center. She has served as clinical consultant to numerous organizations, including Lifetime Television. Karen's an experienced public speaker and has presented at various behavioral health and neuroscience conferences throughout the U.S. Karen is the founder and chairman of Neurologics, an innovative company that applies proprietary software technology to optimize and improve brain function for traumatic brain injuries, or as they call them, TBIs, like concussions. Mm-hmm. Welcome. Thanks. Thanks, Thanks so for your time and sharing this message. It's a, it's a really important message. And like Dr. Flowers said, we're, for those who are listening, we're adding this to our comprehensive diagnostic evaluation. So yeah. we want to spread the word. I, I'm so excited about it. I just completed my own uh, brain mapping, and, and it was a difficult task, but I'm so excited to hear the results and how I can improve my own optimal performance. But, Karen, I thought we'd start by, if, if there's anything we left out on your bio, please Fill, fill the audience in, but then, then secondly, tell us about Neurologics. Uh, first of all, what is Neurologics and, and everything about Neurologics that, that you can talk about, and then we'll kind of get back to this. Yeah, sure, sure. So Neurologics was founded 11 years ago. Um, it is a peak performance brain mapping and optimization company. Um, and, it, and sure, TBI is sort of a primary vertical, and it's the easiest thing we do, traumatic yeah. brain injury. The most difficult thing we do is autism um, and anything on the autism spectrum. And then in between that are learning differences, substance use disorder. Um, really, we, we hit both ends of the spectrum, and I'm equally passionate about about both things. Mm-hmm. I came to know about um, this technology through actually an autistic child. Um, I was invited um, because of my love of data. I'm a clinician who um, loves data. So, so I was invited to see what this was, and, um, and I was puzzled. I, I like to be a good student and said, like, what, what is it you want me to do? What do I want to, you know, what would you like me to learn? And the answer was um, 
nothing. I just want your take on it. I just want you to look at this. And this is, you know, 11 years ago. So we were not in the era of neurofeedback was a brand new thing. We didn't even know what that was. And so I arrive at this office in Los Angeles in pretty nondescript place. And, and I think I'm there to meet an adult with substance use disorder, a chronic relapser. And so I've prepped for that and, and I'm sitting in the waiting room and I, I see this four-year-old boy and he's rocking back and forth and um, I, 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 he's making um, some gestures towards his mother and I, I recognize that child is profoundly autistic. And I recognize that um, from my graduate school practicum with specifically severely autistic middle school children. And in my own life, um, I, I made a decision after that year that I wasn't of any use or service to this child. So for selfish reasons, meaning, hey, I like to be effective and be able to make some progress, I thought I've spent a whole year of my life and I don't think these children and families got anything from what I was able to do for them. So from that time period forward, autism was not, you know, even on the radar for me. But through that training, I recognized that this boy, whose name was Henry, was autistic. And his mom turns to me and says, how will I ever thank them? And, and I say, who? And, and she, I, I'm not even sure what I'm there to see. And, and she says, well, 90 days ago, Henry was entirely nonverbal and encopretic. And, and I think to myself, I look at the child in front of me and I think like, that's not possible given what I'm seeing in front of me. And she says, uh, he's my fourth child. I have three neurotypical children. I'm married to a dentist. She kind of goes into this whole thing. And what it becomes crystal clear is that this child's doing something profound. Uh -huh. And so as the universe would have it, the gentleman I'm supposed to be there to, to meet with is involved in a minor car accident and he's no shows. And, and so as I'm standing to leave, filled with curiosity, this woman whose name was Robin says, would you like to see what Henry's doing? And I say, sure, that'd be great. You know, feeling like I'd fallen down the rabbit hole. Uh -huh. Well, I follow this child into a lab where he puts a couple of sensors on his head and enters a nine digit pin code for memory. This is a four year old boy. Mm -hmm. And without using any hand controls, he begins to do brain training exercises where he's driving a race car with his brain only with focus and concentration. And 11 years ago, that that was really profound. I mean, it's some to some people, it sounds profound now. But to me, I was like, what in the world is this? And so I say to the tech, hey, um, I repeat everything I've just said to you. And, and I'm expecting him to say, Henry's an exceptional case. And he says out loud to me, look, if we have this child for a 12 month period, we're able to effectively take him off the autism spectrum. And, and I said, what? And I make him say that three times. And, and I say, okay, well then you would say this is a, an exceptional case. And he said, no, he will remap as a neurotypical child in 12 months. And, and I'm a skeptical person. I, I, again, like I just said, I love data. I'm like, show me the data. So I wait 12 full months and I don't refer a single one of my clients. I try to dig in and figure out like, what is this? I read all the medical texts related to this. I interview a number of parties. I interview the technology developer. And, and meanwhile, I watch this child and I watch him go on to mainstream kindergarten in 12 months. Wow. And then in second grade, I watch him get selected for the gifted and talented program. And, and that, so Dr. Hack, who chairs our scientific advisory board, is one of the kind of three foremost experts on brain health in, in the United States, certainly and questionably in the world. Um, and, and what he says is autism is DARPA hard. And, 
I don't know what that, I didn't know what that meant. And he meant it's so multifactorial. It's such a difficult problem to treat that his intrigue was if you can help a child with severe autism, what can it do for a person with ordinary performance? And so my job was to be able to take what existed in terms of what the technology was and figure out how to scale it in a way where it could be deployed as the tool that it is, which is the finest diagnostic instrument available anywhere. Uh So it's fantastic that it's available now at Flowers because people come to you to solve problems. And for me, my passion has always been, if you know what the problem is, you can solve it. But if if you're guessing at what it is or you guess wrong, then the treatment plan isn't going to effectively solve the symptoms that that person is feeling. Right. Does that make sense? It does. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So you're now, um, you had mentioned that you're a TBI survivor who has learning difference, differences. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? You're very sure, open about sure. that. I think that has a lot to do. Sure. Yeah. So mortifying day in graduate school, I, I love data, like I just said, and I love testing. So I was like, I want to put that off in, in my master's program till the very end because I know I'm going to use it. And I want to have it immediately available to me right at the end so that as I move into private practice and practicum and collection of hours, I'm going to be utilizing this this tool. So I take this class last and I take it on a Saturday. And the professor, very esteemed person, says, I need to see Karen O'Dell at the break. And I think like, well, what's this about? You know, and I think like, gosh, was I late for the class? Like, what does she need to see me about? So everybody else filters out of the classroom and of course, in, in grad school, we have to take all the tests and be able to interpret them correctly. And and she says, Karen, you have a profound learning disability. And I laughed, right? And and I was like, uh, not me, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's not me. You know, that wasn't my experience of myself. And she said, hey, how would you like to get an A in this class without taking the final? Well, who doesn't want that, right? So I said, um, sure, yeah. And she said, well, I have a hypothesis. I believe that your, your cognitive reserve has to be this number and she wrote it on a piece of paper and shoved it in her desk and she said or theoretically based on on the findings you wouldn't have been able to graduate from high school and now i'm kind of like what you know like i've always perceived myself as good student scholar like i i'm the person who does well in school so she said your disability and she called it that Mm. is so profound that you this would have been identified in kindergarten she said, so I'd like you to go back to on spring break, I'd like you to go back to your school district and pull the microfiche and it'll be there. And I, I believe that you were identified in kindergarten. Sure enough, I was, right? Mm-hmm. And so it jogged this memory of, oh, wow, yeah, that's why that lady came and took me out for you know, yo-yo therapy or, or hand-eye coordination. And so she starts asking me questions. Can you play racket sports? No. And I don't swing till after the ball comes, right? And so she's like, um, you know, she starts asking me a number of questions. How about geometry? Was that easy for you? No, it's the one class I, I ever had to have a tutor for. She starts making sense of my life. And I'm sitting there in the moment thinking like, I can't believe it. I'm, I'm filled with like this horrible label, disability, right? And, and I think to myself, like, I'm not disabled. And so I come back dutifully with all these, you know, tests that she's asked me for. And, and she takes the number out of the desk and sure enough, it aligns with my cognitive reserve, my IQ, Mm -hmm. right? So that sort of feeds right into this because I believed IQ is a static number. And in graduate school, because we had to take all the tests again, I'm comparing my kindergarten number 
with my graduate school number. And guess right. what? They're pretty close. Yeah. Right there. And, and I start to really delve in like, what is IQ? Your ability to learn in a perfect world. So for me, and people always ask me, and I'll say this too, parents always ask me, what's the difference between learning disability and learning difference? I go, there's no difference. It's semantic. But I prefer difference. I prefer that I learn differently than the concept or the label that I'm disabled, right? Because it, right. it hasn't hampered me. So for me, I was initially frustrated and thought like, oh, wow, I can't believe this. Like we moved a, a lot as a kid. And, and what happened was my my records didn't make it to the next school so no one knew that i had this disability so they treated me like the same as any as every other person right so initially i was a little frustrated like wait a minute what could have happened if if i had had the right resources and and I, at the same time i also started to get the idea that hey the brain works in a profound ways right so hey i've got this big problem my brain doesn't know that it has a problem so it just looks at how do we compensate? What other part of the brain can we use? And so what? You can't do geometry. I can't find my way out of a subway, right? Yeah. So, so there were lots of questions like, can you read a map? No, I have to have somebody tell me. And then you drive to the stop sign and turn left, you know? But it doesn't, it doesn't mean that because I learn differently, I'm less than other people. Mm -hmm. Just takes into account, we all have different brains. We all have different ways that we learn. How do you harness that for peak performance? Yeah. So that's sort of where neurologics came in, I would not have told you that I was a traumatic brain injury survivor until I had my own map. So mm -hmm. I, I, if you said, do you, Hey, Karen, do you have traumatic brain injury? I was like, nah, you know, I, I had to have my face rebuilt when I was 15. Um, and I would have said that was an, an orthopedic injury and a plastic surgery issue, but I wouldn't have said, and Hey, there's this spot on my brain right here where my injury created a black hole that's viewable on my brain map. And once I had that knowledge um, and could start, sort of put that piece together and, and really started to understand like, wow, I have traumatic brain injury. What does that mean? And how do I fix it? Because it impacted my ability to remember things. Uh -huh. Specifically, it impacted my short-term memory, right? And it, it made sense again of how I learn and how I put things in my memory, I crammed through college. Like I was not the sequential learner of like read a chapter a day. I couldn't hang on to it, right? So, so I would read 14 chapters the night before and shove it right here in my short-term memory. And then when it was done, I'd almost have like a bonfire. Like, okay, clear the hard drive yeah. and let's make room for the next cram session, right? right? Mm -hmm. And nobody told me to do that. I just sort of figured it out along the way. But over time, as we age, we don't have our 20-year-old brain again or our 30-year-old brain again. And I had my map. It's now been, my daughter's eight, six years ago. And and the answer is ridiculous. Like, why didn't I do it? And now I tell everybody, like, look, if you want to understand what this is, do it. Uh -huh. Because I theoretically could understand, but I, I couldn't even explain to you, James, accurately what is this, right? right? Like, and how does it make you feel? And I, I could explain from my experience, I think you're gonna feel like this, but because it is so incredibly comprehensive for me, in my experience, I felt almost like my brain right. was so tapped that it was like convulsing. Yeah. And I, I felt like, wow, I'm never asked to use the totality of my brain in one two hour session ever. And, and now that I have, I, re I can recognize that although this part's not working well I, and I tap this one, this technology takes you in past the point of ordinary performance and looks at where you go in default. Yeah. And then 
through the use of optimism, through the use of specific neuroengineering exercises targeted just for you personally, you're able to regain that function. So for me, I no longer had to use the workarounds and that had a profound impact on my stress level. Yeah. Right. Right. So that's probably a very wordy answer to your question, but I I tend to be, I can be verbose when I get excited about things. No, I think that's amazing. Tell us, uh, what are your thoughts about the connection between, um, uh, brain injury and addiction? Sure. So, they're, they're strongly correlated and mm-hmm. we're still trying to figure out why. Mm-hmm. So it, it goes in both directions. So people with substance use disorder, 40% of people with substance use disorder also have undiagnosed traumatic brain injury. Mm-hmm. Um, and the opposite is also true. People with traumatic brain injury also have substance use disorder that can develop as a byproduct of the traumatic brain injury. Mm-hmm. There is absolutely an interaction um, and the, the profound, um, truth is that people who have assessed brain function and optimized brain function can remain sober mm-hmm. and with with a profound um, regularity. So we did a study of 200 um, people with substance use disorder and 100 of them had um, just 90 days of addiction treatment and 100 of them had addiction treatment and neuroengineering specifically. Mm-hmm. And of that number, at the 18-month mark, 89% were sober who had done neuroengineering. Uh And so it makes sense to say your brain is the way that you're wired. And I I love the 12 steps. I think that it's just a wonderful way to live life for every human being. But if you can't remember what they are, Uh or in the moment that you're stressed, you can't recall the thing that you've been asked to do, call your sponsor, Mm -hmm. recognize relapse when it's coming. If your ordinary brain function doesn't allow you to do that, the the terms that we've applied of, and the judgments and the values of, oh, this person isn't ready to be sober. I just don't believe that. I believe that when someone shows up, they have a desire to change their life. And if there's something that's interfering with that, I like to be able to say, let's use hard science and figure out what is interfering so that you can do this thing that you showed up wanting to do mm-hmm. and not have external providers say, perhaps that person just wasn't ready. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, the value judgments we place on mental health and the labels we've placed on mental health are not helpful to the person who's walking around with the label. Right. Absolutely. You know, people, uh, you said something that triggered this question for me. So many people talk about uh, neurofeedback and you talk about neuroengineering. What's the difference between neurofeedback and neuroengineering? Sure, absolutely. Um, Neurofeedback is symptom reduction and neuroengineering is permanent cognitive repair. So actually, now that it's 11 years later, Merriam-Webster Dictionary actually Mm -hmm. has a term for neuroengineering, uh, which is so gratifying because I would try to articulate what it was. And now you can Google it. You can Google neuroengineering and it's right there. So it's brain repair based on engineering principles. Um, Neurologics was born at NASA. The technology was born at NASA and it's used right now on the Mars mission in the Mm -hmm. simulator, which is in North Dakota, which is amazing, right? So so my job was to take neuroengineering, which now has entire departments at places like Stanford University, Fordham University, and to be able to bring that into the private sector for people who desire peak performance or repair of Uh brain-based disease or illness, right? So 
the idea between to, to compare and contrast, it's like if you have a headache. So mm-hmm. I got a headache, I'm going to take Tylenol. That's what neurofeedback is. And if I've taken the Tylenol, the symptom is reduced. Mm-hmm. But if I if that headache occurs because I have high blood pressure or um, a mass in my brain or um, you know some some other underlying issue, the symptom reduction is not going to work. And when the aspirin the Tylenol wears off, I'll still have the headache. The difference is neuroengineering looks at what is the cause? What's the causation of the headache? And how is it that we permanently repair the causation so that then your brain's in optimized balance and you don't have anything that would be labeled? Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? It does. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And then continuing that thought process of neuroengineering, then what does optimization mean uh, Mm -hmm. to the general audience listening? Yeah, so so we do a specialized brain map at Flowers. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm sure that's going to be a question that people listening to this want to yeah. know. Well, where can I get this amazing thing at at Flowers Health Institute? Um, and so once that map is performed, it's a two hour process, and then it's redacted, which means all personalized information removed, and then it's shared with a huge database, um, and it's compared and contrasted across platforms to rule in or rule out everything you'd want to know, mm-hmm. right? Like, do I do I actually have bipolar disorder? Do I have a learning disability? Mm-hmm. Um, do I, I do I actually have ADHD or do I have one of 11 different mimics? Um, to be able to say, do I have those things is, is one exciting piece. But then to be able to say, regardless of whether you have it or, or what your brain map shows, how can I move on from this in a peak performance way? Yeah. And, what that looks like is customized clinical protocols specific to your specific map. There's nothing about this that's one size fits all. And my brain doesn't look like your brain, doesn't look like your brain. We all have differences. That The customized clinical protocols are loaded and then 50 minute sessions three times a week take place wherever you are. So whether you are at flowers and you're doing your wellness program or whether you're at the four seasons or whether you are an nfl football player in a hotel room you can then access your personal coach um, open your laptop and go through a series of guided exercises that take 50 minutes three times a week um, and then we move you down the road so we take that baseline map and then we move you down the road to optimize performance. And we check in on your brain every two months uh-huh. to make sure and assess how are those exercises working. Does that does that it make does. sense? And then, mm-hmm. and then for you know something easy like traumatic brain injury, it sounds complicated. It's the easiest thing we do. Yep. And it's mm-hmm. right. So so that can be completely optimized in a period of four months um, and at three times a week. And then what happens at the end of that? Um, I, I, you know, we joke and say, wouldn't it be nice to have your 30 year old brain back? You have that 30 year old brain back, regardless of whether you're in your sixties or regardless of whether you're somebody in, in your thirties who had something happen along the way that, that damaged optimized performance. Right. Does that make sense? You can restore it, whether, whether it's damaged through drug and alcohol use, whether it's damaged through a traumatic brain injury, whether you had a learning difference to begin, you can take yourself to optimize brain performance and we can take you as far as you have the genetic ability to go. Uh-huh. So if your brain is cool. genetically gifted, we can take yeah. you to genetically gifted. 
right? Yeah. Absolutely. And doing the work with TBIs, uh, we we know there's a sport that has a tremendous amount of TBIs, and of course that's football. I know you sure. guys do a lot of work with the NFL, but let's just apply it to football in general. How yeah. is this working uh, around the country uh, with you guys working with football players or the NFL? Sure, sure. So I, I often will say I learn a lot from my clients. Mm-hmm. And and sometimes I think like my clients teach me things that I certainly couldn't learn in a book. And so we do, yeah, I'll just explain it truthfully. I, I would love to tell you that, hey, I thought, gosh, there's a great place for this in the NFL. Yeah. Um, I learned through a football player who um, had come to us in college, had um, traumatic brain injury, was hit on a Vespa scooter, had 98 stitches and came to us as a client afterward to repair the damage done from the traumatic brain injury, which didn't even happen on the football field. Um, And then, you know, I I pride myself on if somebody comes and and does this process that holds lifelong, you don't require a a tune-up. So I, I see this medical record number pop up again, and it he had a a, a a last name that began with Z, and we don't have that many patients with yeah. X or Z, right? So I'm like, hmm. and now that my own brain is optimized, I could memorize that medical record number, knew knew who it belonged to. So I thought, well, what's this person doing back? Like, why why is this person back again? And and the answer from the staff was, oh, he's he's a professional football player, and. And it was like, oh, okay. And, and, you know, I was thinking like, okay. And so why is he back? And she said, well, he, he felt like his brain needed a tune up. And, and I thought, well, I wonder why that is. So I picked up the phone and called him and, and I said, do you mind if I ask you, why, why are you back? And he said, cause once I had an optimized brain, I recognized when it wasn't there anymore. Wow. And wow. I knew that I functioned really well at the end of college. Mm-hmm. And he's like, but you know, he plays professional football for one season and recognizes like, hey, I got pretty, I got hit pretty hard in, in mm-hmm. um, you know, even preseason play. And I recognized that my brain didn't function as well as it did. And I had a hunch that it, it wasn't the same. So he comes back and gets another brain map and we compare one to the other. And he was right. Yeah. It was the first place I looked, the first time I looked at like, here's this very forward thinking young person mm-hmm. who says to me, I Hey, look, I'm, I'm imagining my time of NFL plays five years or less. I want to go to graduate school and this is done. Mm-hmm. I want to protect my brain. Mm-hmm. And it was the first time that I put together a think tank made up of Olympic athletes and, um, you know, sports advisors and said, tell me where this belongs in sports. How does this fit and how does it work? And it came starting with that one player. A light bulb went on for me that although I pride myself and, and this company in once you've optimized your brain, it's you're you're good to go. Professional football is the exception because workplace violence and the banging of heads happens routinely. And we don't have that in our everyday life. I I'm not banging my head every day and you guys probably aren't either. Professional athletes are, whether they be, you know, mm-hmm. Olympic athletes in a bobsled or soccer players. There are actually twenty one identified concussion sports, which mm-hmm. include everything from even surfing is considered a a concussion sport at the NCAA level. There are lots of things besides football, but that one player led, led the way. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Brain mapping is such a buzzword right now. I wanted you to explain to our audience what the difference is between what you folks do and everyone else out there is claiming to do. Sure. Sure. 
So we do a highly specialized QEG brain map and QEG is thrown around like that's the gold, gold standard and that equates to a brain map. It in fact doesn't. A QEG alone is a squiggly piece of paper that looks like a credit card receipt with some squiggly lines on it. And it's been around forever. It's FDA approved, it's safe. And you would get a QEG in an emergency room to rule in or rule out seizure. And that QEG looks at 11 to 13 domains. And you've got this squiggly piece of paper and they hand you the squiggly piece of paper and they go, Robin, you do not have a seizure or you do, or hey, you did have a seizure. Okay, thanks, goodbye. Takes 15 minutes, super simple. And the, this can be referred to at other institutions as a simple brain map. Mm -hmm. um, the, the question is, what are you gonna do with the squiggly piece of paper? And is there anything to do afterward? The answer is no. So what was so exciting for me was, that this same, this technology utilizes standardized QEG and integrates it with psychometric testing measures. And then it looks at the, at the brain at the actual speed of thought. So a QEG standard brain map is a blunted instrument. It's not following your brain as you think, and it's not putting your brain under task. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we talk about like in a perfect world, what is what is IQ in a perfect world? It means in a room that's not too hot or too cold with no ambient noise, but none of us live our lives like that. Right. So if I'm, you know, I, I live in California. So if I'm driving down the 405 and I've got screaming children in the back seat and a rescue dog on the front seat and they just threw up on the floor and I'm being asked to make a decision or think about something, that is the real world, not in a perfect environment. Yeah. So what this specific brain map does is takes the brain past the point of ordinary function and it puts your brain into default, whether you're Albert Einstein or somebody who's impaired. And it is the only instrument that does that. Right. So mm -hmm. looking at where do you go when you're in default? So, you know, for example, I'm, I'm doing a workaround. The connect home level is we map 293 domains of the brain as opposed to 11 to 15. And we look at how the brain talks to each other. So it looks at, you, have, you know, you put the cap on and then the, the neuroelectric activity of the brain is measured. And it's also measured how are the different points speaking and communicating with each other. And my physician husband explained, um, you know, very succinctly that the technology developer took everything a human, high functioning human needs to be able to do and broke it down to 293 things that need to happen synchronously to be an optimized human. Uh -huh. It's not, the brain does a million things, but if it can do these 293 well, you can be considered an optimized human and function with no label attached and function with minimal stress. And what's the youngest client or patient that you've had? How, how young can you go? The youngest client we've ever had was six months old. Um, and, and that was to assess brain function for a very premature infant. Um, what's, that was kind of an extraordinary case. Um, the usual case for us is, is preschool, pre-kindergarten. Uh -huh. So we like to get a child, um, if possible, before first pruning. Um, and pruning is a conversation for a different day, yeah. right? But <laughs> if we can get them before age six or seven, that's really ideal for yeah. childhood learning differences or developmental delay. Wow. Well, we're down to our, unfortunately, our last two minutes, two-minute warning. Is there anything we didn't cover that you think that we need the audience to know um, prior to wrapping this up? 
I, I will just say, um, Dr. Flowers and I were talking about this offline, like regardless of what your brain map shows, the, the hopefulness is that you're not stuck there, right. right? So the hopeful information that I was always searching for with other modalities was, great, so this is these numbers on a page reflect what my current function is. Well, where, where can I go with this? How, you know, how can I get back my 30-year-old brain? How can I get back my brain pre-brain injury? My first brain injury happened at 15. I want that brain back. And being able to achieve that is also what's available at, at the Institute, not just the identification, but also being able to bring the brain back to optimized function, just as you bring the body back to optimized function. And you know, so I think a, it's important to mention, yeah, a lot of hope. I think sure. there's, it's important to mention also when people hear the word brain injury, we're not talking about a, a serious car, we are, but it doesn't have to be a serious head injury. It doesn't have to be a serious car wreck or, you know, it can be a, a small car accident. It can be sitting back and falling out of the, out of your chair and hitting your head on the concrete or the wooden floor. Right. Mm -hmm. It can be, right. you know, I was hit in the nose by the back of a horse when I was 16 years old. And who knows if mine will show that? I don't know. Right. But uh, but it, it doesn't have to be these horrible, awful injuries to be called a tra traumatic brain injury. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's yeah. exactly right. That's <clears throat> and that's how they remain undiagnosed. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, Dr. Flowers, if someone wants to hear more about our evaluation and the programs that include this brain mapping, mm -hmm. how do they reach you? Yeah, come to our website, uh, jflowershealth.com, or certainly call us at 713-783-6655. And Karen, how, if they want to look at your website, if they want to, which people do, they can also, they can come to our website, learn about it, but how do they look at Neurologics? Sure, um, neurologics.com. Um, yep. And then if, if it's sports related, we have a separate website for our sports teams and that's neurologicsports.com. Yep. And then awesome. one other final question is in my mind, I was just thinking as we were talking, the population span really that fits into the category of who's appropriate for this is really endless. Um, that's right. It's really all about brain optimization. And so that's whether... Right. You have substance use disorder, you have a mental health disorder, you have depression, you have anxiety, uh, you have behavioral issues at home with children and adolescents, mm -hmm. uh, certainly severe and minor TBIs, chronic pain, things like that uh, all fit into the spectrum. And I'm sure I missed, obviously, autism, but uh, anything else? I mean... I like to think about the brain as our most vital personal organ. Yeah. So anybody mm. who desires more performance than they're currently getting yeah. or has any number of symptoms, um, I, the way that we're wired drives who we are in yeah. the world. Mm -hmm. So it's it's profound investment in your future. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm so excited Thank to, you. to have this as yeah. a part of J Flowers Health and, and to be partnering with you guys and uh, I look forward to working with you guys for many, many, many years to come and watching this whole, it, it's amazing how far the technology has come. So no yeah. telling where it's gonna go in the future. So yeah. I'm just excited to watch it grow. Thank you. Thanks yeah. for your time. Yeah, Excited. thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year. See you soon. Bye-bye. Right. Well. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye.